Hey everybody, welcome back to the Process Podcast. I'm Nick Veronica. Charlie and I are pumped to have Nate Geary from WGR on with us for our Bills training camp preview. We hit on our season outlook for the Bills, players to watch in camp, who is the most to prove, and our hot takes for the NFL season. I promise you're going to want to hear Nate's. Plus, at the end, Nate sat down with us for our lightning round of rapid-fire questions. Nate, thank you for coming on, thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. If you want to feel better, play better, and perform better, check out Ethos Performance Rehab and tell them the process sank. Nick, how we doing? We're back. It's been a while. Took Charlie, a nice, uh, it, summer vacation. I, I'm I'm ready to go. I feel it. I stepped outside the other night, like before the heat wave came, and it was like that that cool end of summer. I'm like, it's time for football. It is, and uh, what a perfect way to kick off our new season of the podcast and uh, new Buffalo Bills training camp season with none other than Nate Geary from WGR 550. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, this is like the. This is kind of like a funeral for me because this is um, I'm I'm laying to rest my my summer uh, right now. So this is uh, you guys are catching me at a right time. I smoked a brisket. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to uh, to enter the the beautiful season that is football season. So I want to say condolences, but I I just I don't feel you like don't, that applies. I don't know. You, don't, you wouldn't mean it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I am a little jealous of the, of the brisket though, like. You know, I'm pretty excited about that myself. This is my so. first one. This is my first one. I just bought a smoker, my first brisket. So I'm 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 pretty excited at the final results. It could be terrible or it could be great. So we're gonna we're gonna find out tonight. There we go. I I hope to uh I hope you and Jeremy have a brisket off at some point uh this football season. What's- I'd like once I get a few under my uh, under my belt, I'll <laughs> I'll feel better about uh, competing against Jeremy, who's uh, who's been doing it for some time now. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. Pretty good at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nate, again, appreciate you coming out with us, man. We're just going to kind of jump right into it. Um, cool. You know, training camp's kicking off Sunday. First practice is uh, <clears throat> Sunday afternoon, I believe. But uh, going into camp, really, for both of you guys, what is the most intriguing storylines this year for the Buffalo Bills mm. going into training camp? I will say there are very few camp battles, storylines. I was just, uh, I was filling in for Mike Shope today and Bulldog and I were chatting about like, if there is a battle, we've talked about it 50 times. If there's a storyline, we've beat it in the head to death, uh, just talking about it, talking about it. Cause that's what you do from May to July 20, whatever, because this is what you do. You talk about all the upcoming battles and you're talking about one of the deepest teams in the league. And there might be three or four or five jobs at the very most that are uh, kind of up for grabs. And most of them are depth level positions. They're not like real true starting caliber positions. But I think you look at uh, sort of the, the key ones. It's, you know, A, is is Tredavious White going to be healthy, ready, close to 100%, 100% going into week one? Um, and I think the other, the other kind of trickle down from there is Kyer Elam. Does he walk off the bus, so to speak? And, and is he this team's starting corner outside of Tredavious White, assuming Tredavious White is available and ready for the week one. And then you got the, you know, I think for me, what I'm going to be most excited about walking onto the field on St. John Fisher on Sunday is to see Von Miller for the first time in a Bills jersey, number 40, seeing, and I was saying this, like he's just the coolest dude in football and he's the coldest, coolest dude you got in the place with the Bills now. Um, so that's really cool. And then I, I think kind of my last one um, is James Cook. Like I, it's not left guard. It's not defensive tackle. You don't have to be 
super nuanced and understanding of the game of football to like look at him and decide whether or not you like him and think he's going to be a stud. Like he's going to have the ball in his hands. You're going to see his four four speed, sub four four speed right off the bat. Um, so I, he might be the one guy I may be looking forward to most in terms of guys that just aren't Von Miller. Yeah, you know it's funny being uh, living in Atlanta and being a uh, uh, a Gator fan. I've seen a lot of James Cook over the years. Um, so he scared me when he played Florida for those many, many years. And he scares me in a good way now being in the Bills backfield. So I'm excited to see James Cook. What about you, Nick? Any uh, storylines this year going to training camp? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about the season and the whole picture of it. Like this is, this is really their year to go for it for the Super Bowl, And they had, they do have a, a fairly decent amount of new pieces to work in. So that, that's kind of what I'm interested to see. There's not a ton of camp battles. We're not watching, you know, the quarterbacks every day. Mm-hmm. We got new offensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator, you know, the highest paid defensive player in franchise history. They got a lot of big pieces that need to fit together. And there's there's some underlying underlying things maybe with, with uh, its safety. Is there a new court? Is there a new contract coming? Is there are people upset with each other? Are they still mad about 13 seconds? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out. But uh, everything just kind of gets magnified for me being being how high the stakes are. Yeah, I think, you know, the one big thing, too, is how does uh, Dorsey just kind of fit into this offense now yep. taking over that role? That's a big role for him to take over. Do you feel like, Nate, do you think that there could be any hiccups for him coming in his first time play calling or, or, or what? You know, there's a lot of continuity there. Uh, you know, this isn't uh, Ken Dorsey coming in trying to completely change and almost remake the scheme. The scheme's going to – the terminology, all that stuff's going to be kind of the same. And I think the organization has done a great job insulating Ken Dorsey with former play callers. I mean, I think you, overall, I think there's four former offensive play callers right now in the franchise with Rob Bo- uh, Rob Bo- uh, Baronis, right, I believe, or Rob – is that it, Rob Baronis? I think that's his name. Um, the uh, Bills tight ends coach. Mm, and yes. he was the former play caller uh, in Tennessee uh, uh, a few years back. You've got uh, Aaron Cromer, the Bills' new offensive line coach, who was the play caller in Chicago under Mark Tressman. Um, you've got uh, Mike Shula, who was the offensive coordinator in Carolina for a, for a bunch of years with Cam Newton. Um, and I know I'm missing someone else in there as well. Yo, but Brady. like they. Joe Brady, right. And although that was short lived, I mean, he still has play calling experience in the NFL. So they, they, they've really done a nice job of saying like, okay, we've got a first time offensive coordinator, first time play caller, but we're going to surround him with guys who have been in the situation who, you know, in a, from a, it's not just a week to week game plan perspective. It's okay. Our first 10 scripted plays of the game didn't work. We got stuffed. We went two, three and outs in a row. How do we shift? What are the things that we want to look at? What do we want to use as a template? Do we want to, you know, have plays from the previous week against a similar defense ready to go? Like there's going to be some things that a first time play caller. And the great part is Ken Dorsey being on that sideline, being on the headset, hearing Brian Dable and Josh Allen sort of uh, have their communications back and forth with each other, knowing how to piggyback and pony off plays off of each other. So I think the experience of him being on the same headset as, as, as Dable and Allen, I think it's a huge advantage for Dorsey for sure. That's Rob, Rob, uh, the tight ends coach, Rob Boris. Baronis Boris. was a kicker. It was the Fan- kicker. That's right. I thought of a kicker in fantasy football. Yes. Yes. I knew, I knew it was, I, but Boris didn't sound right. Cause I was thinking Scott Boris, the, uh, yeah, the agent. The, the agent, the super agent in baseball. But no, that makes sense. And RIP Scott Barone or uh, Rob Baronis, by the way, he actually passed away a couple of years ago. We're going to the, we're going to the deep cuts on the process podcast. Okay. Yes, wow. we are. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, you know, following up on, on all that with the offense, 
I know my big thing last year that I complained often about was running Josh Allen too much, mm-hmm. right? Especially in the regular season. I don't want to see my star quarterback go down and get hurt. And I thought at times Brian Dable picked the wrong time to call a running play for Josh Allen. Do you think Ken Dorsey being that quarterback, um, knowing Josh Allen the way he does, do you think maybe this year we see a little less of the design QB runs for Josh Allen and maybe focus more on getting the running backs, the balls with an explosive guy like James Cook now and Devin Singletary, who really started coming on at the end of last year. Yeah, I think it was 24th and 28th in terms of targets and then yards um, in the past game from the running back position from the Bills. I mean, they're bottom of the league in terms of what their running backs can do in the past game. They very clearly made a sort of uh, a self-assessment that they needed to get better. They went out and they tried to sign J.D. McKissick. It didn't work out. So they go out and they 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 bring in Duke Johnson, who historically was that pass-catching back. He flashed some really interesting skills and tools that we really hadn't seen from Duke Johnson over the early part of his career last year when he signed on and kind of took over the job in Miami. Uh, but I'm not really expecting Duke Johnson to play a big role in this backfield. I do think the top three will be Moss, Singletary, um, and Cook. And, and, and then in that, obviously, you draft James Cook, who is you know one of the more, if not off the bus in that draft, probably the best pure pass catching running back in that draft. So they go and they get him. I do, I do believe the screen game. I do believe just even even if it's a standard screen game, but like the wide receiver screen game, tunnel and slot screens, getting those guys going. You have some more yards after catchability. So I do think yards after catch and the, I more than likely they're going to prepare to be a team that's better at that. They were 32nd in the league last year, dead last um, in terms in the NFL of yards after catch. And to me, I, that I always kind of go into the argument or the idea that Josh Allen has been as good as he has been, especially over the last two seasons, doing all of the hardest things. I mean, he was getting no yards after catch. He had 4,400 yards or 4,500 yards passing last year. Almost exclusively, it came through the year. Um, so like that should tell you that like, if you can exist and you can have played an MVP level, basically doing the hardest parts of a passing game, you got to think if you can build in a screen game with, with both the wide receiver and the running backs, but the dump off game as well, and sort of mitigating Josh Allen's exposure as a runner, I think probably makes a lot of sense, but Ken Dorsey comes from Carolina. What they do with Cam Newton, Carolina? I mean, they they ran him because he is a huge weapon, just like Josh mm-hmm. Allen. He's one of the most unique runners, one of the most unique players and playmakers with the ball in his hand. But I, I think I agree with you in that. Like, let's hold that off till December, January, and February. Um, you know, when you need a first down, Josh Allen's going to be the guy, the guy that can do that when everything breaks down. But during the season, I would like a and and this might this may not be as much of a Dorsey thing guys as it is a Sean McDermott thing. And I think that mm-hmm. will trickle down from the top that Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean don't want to expose Josh Allen to the type of hits that he can get when he's, you know, kind of unprotected as a, as a designed runner. You know, something that, that you mentioned there about Allen having his, most of the yard, his yards through the air and not on short stuff that, you know, running backs, not only is it easier to throw those and to catch them. I feel like Josh Allen did not really hit on yards after catch on his receivers too. He was, you know, every every time he's hitting somebody, it's it's putting it on them, and then they're out of bounds or they're tackled yep. in the middle of the field. It's you know dumping it off and then getting you know for for him at least free yards after that. That you gotta be really excited about that. 
Yeah, plus you, you consider, what, a close to 100, if not more than 100 targets to Cole Beasley, who is kind of a catch-and-fall guy. Like, he's not really the kind of guy yeah. that's going to turn up field, make a guy miss, and and he's off to the races. Now, Jamison Crowder should be better at that. I think they do a lot of the same things really well. They're great at creating leverage and zones. They understand where to sit, where to settle, um, how to find those windows. Um, Crowder, I think, is is just as good, if not, you know, right there with Cole Beasley. I'm not going to say he's better. I think Cole Beasley was one of the great, one of the best wide receivers, slot wide receivers in the league at, at creating leverage and understanding how to use it against linebackers um, and slot corners. But I think the thing that Crowder gives you a little bit more of is that yards after catchability, a guy that can, that can, t- I mean, he did it against the Bills, right? Um, had that long touchdown against the Bills, I think, two years ago uh, mm-hmm. when they were at home. I think he had like a 12 catches in that game for like 12 for like 126 in a score. And on that touchdown, he broke one off for like 70 yards against this defense that does not give up big plays. But I think a lot of this too, guys, does go to scheme. Um, that's not a scheme last year with Brian Dable. You have a lot of wide receivers coming back to the football. And when you have a quarterback who could thread the needle like Josh Allen, you don't mind having those routes coming back to the quarterback. You don't mind having that separation being created at the stem point of a route and having them come back either inside or to your point, um, to, to the outside at the, at the, at the sideline. And he just is, and you have receivers in Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis that are sort of like sideline artists. They mm-hmm. just know how to get two feet in how to make the catch and how to focus on that. So yeah, I, I think a lot of this will be equal parts scheme and equal parts personnel usage. And Hey, I mean, I think Josh Allen mentioned it himself. Like he wants to be a more accurate passer leading guys um, outside of maybe just getting uh, catching the ball and, and, and kind of going down like that. Well, I think part of that too last year was the number of misses that he had on the deep ball where he just had guys wide open, yeah. you know, with two, three steps in front of someone where that's on the money. That's another 10, 12, 20 yards after the catch right there, you know, touchdowns even. Um, so I, I think that's one thing that year to year we've noticed with Josh Allen. While as the season has gone on, I feel like he's been able to hit that deep ball, but then in hitting that deep ball as the year has gone on, there hasn't been any yards after the catch. So hopefully this year early on, he's able to connect on that fairly quickly and able to have some yards after the catch, um, especially with Gabe Davis and, uh, and, and Diggs on the outside there. Yep. Um, but Nate, you, you mentioned one guy who I was I'm very interested in. He's actually one of my top three players that I feel like has something to kind of come in to prove this year in training camp, and that was Jamison Crowder. Um, who are the top the, the three players, four players, whatever it might be, uh, that you feel like have the most to prove? Um, might be on the bubble, might even be sleepers at this point on this Bills roster. Yeah, so a couple have come to mind. I think AJ Epinesa's right at the top of probably everyone's list. If you were to kind of pull the fan base and say like, who has the most approved this year, uh, AJ Epinesa walks into year three. And I have sort of been on the um, I've said this over the last couple of years as this bills, rookie classes move on in their career. And the big thing is year three, if you're going to be elite, like if you're going to have elite level play, that tends to show its it rear its head in year three. Um, Dawson Knox is that example. Josh Allen's that example. Um, you look back at Oliver's that example last year. I thought he really took that step forward. So the guy we didn't really see that from, Tremaine Edmonds, but that's that's going to be another guy probably on my list of guys with most approved. But AJ Epinesa has a unique opportunity because he's going to have the opportunity to play across in a lot of in a lot of times in a lot of cases and downs from Von Miller who you know, is going to press and compress the pocket in a way that should let what AJ Epinesa does really well, which is that high energy type of player and allow him to 
get to the quarterback in a way and clean things up in that way. So that's kind of what I'm looking for with AJ Epinesa. The second guy to me is Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, he kind of consistently is the guy that has to prove something, um, at least to the fan base. And I think this year, maybe more than ever, there's kind of no more excuses um, in my mind. There's no more excuses in terms of you've got an internal and inside interior defensive line that is going to be able to allow this defense and these two linebackers to play far more freely without having Mm -hmm. that, um, without having that chipping guard, not have to worry about either chipping or double teaming the interior. They get free reign to get to the second level, to get to Edmonds, to get to Milano. That should allow each of those players, Milano Edmonds, to play with more instinct. So for me, Edmonds is another player this year that I think you really got to look at as a guy that's kind of under some pressure. Um, and then thirdly, I think I want to maybe go back to the offensive side of the ball. I like the Crowder idea. I'm going to say Isaiah McKenzie. And the reason I'm saying Isaiah McKenzie is this team reinvested in him after it looked like he was in kind of the final coffin doghouse. Like it could be over for McKenzie. And then they, he has that incredible game against the Patriots. Um, And now he's kind of set to be this team's number four wide receiver. I'm interested in how Ken Dorsey tries to work um, him into this offense. And does he press uh, Jamison Crowder for time as well? That's going to be something I'm paying a lot of attention to. I'm a big Isaiah McKenzie guy. I know I've probably bored Nick to death over the years talking about Isaiah McKenzie. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on you know Isaiah McKenzie and, and Jamison Crowder. Um, you know, another one that I kind of wonder about, and I know it's only a second year, but where does Boogie Basham fit into this defense if Epinesa takes that step, right? You invested a third-round pick, second-round pick in Boogie Basham. So, you, you invested a high pick in him, same thing with, with Epinesa. But if Epinesa does take that step that we're talking about in the third year, how is he going to fit into the future of this defense? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a fair question, but I think he likely – he does not have the same pressure that A.J. Epinesa has on him in year three. No. I mean, this is a make-or-break season for A.J. Epinesa, whereas, you know, for Boogie Basham, I think it's going to be finding his role. And in the same way that I kind of talked about A.J. Epinesa as being a cleanup guy, I mean – you're talking about a high motor, uh, high mental awareness and mental acuity in Boogie Basham. He's a very instinctual player. He's not the kind of player that's going to dust starting tackles in the NFL. He's not going to beat you with a ton of technique and a, and a ton of refined technique as a pass rusher, or he's not overly bendy. Um, so he's not that kind of player. So if he's not that kind of player, how does he win in the NFL? And I think it's by being at the right in the right place at the right time, maintaining the integrity of his pass rush lanes. And he's going to do those things at a really high level. He lost a little bit of weight, so I do expect him to be a little bit more quicker and more nimble this year going into the season. But I think he probably – because he and Epinesa are going to play, and in my opinion, very different positions. The question about Epinesa, is he going to be the primary backup to Greg Rousseau, or is that going to be Shaq Lawson? And they hedged their bet by going out and signing Shaq Lawson. To me, the battle is not really between Epinesa and Basham, because I think Basham's the primary depth piece behind Von Miller. I think on the other side, the question is, who is your run anchor? And in every Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense, you have that defensive end that's that primary run anchor, a guy that can set the edge and be the kind of player Greg Rousseau was at last year. Greg Rousseau was top 10 in run stop percentage at the edge position. He's one of the, he's the team's best rudge uh, edge run defender. So I expect to see AJ Epinesa step into that depth role behind him. And the question is going to be, can he outplay Shaq Lawson in the preseason to prove that he can be sort of the second in command there at the, uh, at the run edge run defender position. Yeah. You know, and Shaq Lawson, another guy who, you know, especially after last year being cut from two teams, he definitely has something to prove at some point here. 
Um, where is that going to uh, where is he going to fit in? Who knows? Who knows if he even makes the roster, right? I mean, that's another thing that you got to consider. Is he even on this team come uh, come week one? What about what about you, Nick? Any uh, any players for you stand out that maybe guys that might be on the bubble or anyone that yeah, you feel like? Hey, great picks there. You, you took like half of my list here. <laughs> uh, you got to say Tremaine Edmonds to start with, but I, I'll, I'll throw some other names out there. Uh, let's start with Dane Jackson. I don't think Tremaine Edmonds is going to be 100% for week one, and I don't think the Bills want to right. I'm sorry, what did I just say? Tremaine Edmonds, but it's okay. We'll forgive you. He's got Edmonds on the brain. Yeah, I do. Forgive <laughs> White. Uh, I don't think the Bills want to rush him back. I think they want to let him take his time and be ready for February. I think Dane Jackson's going to be forced into a huge role this year. Uh, Kair Elam, I don't know why. I feel I'm a little more comfortable just kind of throwing them out there and letting them go dane jackson could get picked on a lot early mm. you even saw you know there's like some some weird you know weird tweets out there about hey the bills players were lobbying for uh some cornerbacks joe hayden let's bring him in that says to me either hmm is, is tremaine or i'm sorry i did it again is trey white is he not healthy are they worried about dane like just it was so weird for me to see i think he's going to be forced into a big role especially early and the bills have big games early in their schedule He's going to be tested. He's got to step up maybe toward uh, January, February. He's in a, in a lesser role than he is for week one, but they're going to need him to go right away or he's going to get picked on. Second guy, let's go with O.J. Howard. Mm. O.J. Howard as a, a tight end. You know, there's been a ton, a ton of love for Dawson Knox, and rightfully so after the season he had. O.J. Howard was a first-round pick who never really materialized. I know there were some weird situations in Tampa. They brought in Gronkowski. He was injured. He's on a one-year deal. If he, if he doesn't put up anything this year, this might be the end for O.J. Howard. I don't know. Lastly, who do we got? We got a couple guys left on the list. I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to pass on taking Ryan Bates. I'm going to take hmm. collectively the rest of the defensive line, who's not named Von Miller, all right? Yeah. Everyone playing the Bills is going to have Von Miller circled. They know he's coming. They're going to double team him. They're going to whatever, triple team him. You see the gifts. What is everybody else going to do? You, you should have some, some good matchups coming with all the focus on Von Miller. So where does that go? Does Greg Rousseau take the next step and prove he can be – I mean, the Bills, the Bills won't make him an every-down player, but can he be a, a two-thirds of down players? Can he be a regular? Does somebody else need to step up? What are we getting from the middle? Can Ed Oliver finally prove that he's – you know, not just a good player, but a great player worthy of being a top 10 draft pick. Uh, I'm interested to see it. And I think they should have plenty of opportunity with everybody else focused on Vaughn. Well, let me ask you guys both this question. So you talk about OJ Howard, which was another really good picnic. But what about Tommy Sweeney? He's a guy, you know, he, he stepped in. I thought he did okay when he stepped in for Dawson Knox last year when Dawson Knox got hurt. But where, you know, from what I've heard, everyone has been very impressed with what they've seen from O.J. Howard so far, um, you know, in OTAs and all of that. What about Tommy Sweeney? He's been around for, you know, two, three years. Is he, you know, number two behind Dawson Knox? I don't think he – I don't know where his roster spot would be because don't forget, you also have Reggie Gilliam mm -hmm. who can play that tight end role when he's not back there playing fullback. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. I, I don't have a good answer for you. I'm struggling to see where who do, who would you want to take off the field to put him on? He's so far behind it. I mean, is there a role for him to carve out as more of a run blocker? But maybe, mm. but is that his strength? I don't 
I feel like I'm still rooting for the guy after getting myocarditis because of COVID and like missing the whole year. And I want him to do well. I just don't know who at whose expense is his playing time coming. Yeah, that's kind of my my thought, too, with Tommy Sweeney. And Sweeney's a guy that I think is easy to root for. But the question becomes for the same reasons you talked about, Nick, right? Like, did the was the myocarditis, was the COVID and the aftermath of, of the COVID symptoms that he had, were those the things that were making him look slow? Because mm-hmm. he looked slow. But I, I'm here to tell you, like, if you're looking for some sort of big, giant step up athletically and speed, that's not O.J. Howard either. Um, he has really lost a step after the Achilles injury um, that he sustained two years ago. He has not really had that same burst in effectiveness that we saw at Alabama. Um, so we'll see uh, if O.J. Howard can bounce back. But, you know, some of the early uh, reports from 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 minicamp is that that explosiveness was he left a little bit uh, to be desired there. So we'll, we'll see kind of how that looks. But it's hard. You mentioned the name Reggie Gilliam. He's the guy that makes – um, that makes Tommy Sweeney so expendable to me because Gilliam's a guy that's going to play fullback, can play H-back, can play tight end. He can play inline. He can play uh, offline. He can play with his hand in the dirt and fullback position. That kind of versatility is what helped him make the team. Uh, but I, I, I continue to think that this – I'm a big believer that the big reason the Bills' running attack took the turn that it did the, the last quarter of last season – was a lot because Brian Dable decided he wanted to put Reggie Gilliam on the field more, and he got way more beneficial running numbers in the box. And he's a he's a dog; he can run block. So I, I like Reggie Gilliam a lot in that role. And I, I it's it's going to be a, 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 an uphill climb for for Tommy Sweeney for sure. What about um, you know you talked about the defensive line, Nick? You they also brought back. Um, now I can't think of his name, the defensive tackle from Jordan Phillips. Adam. Thank you, Jordan Phillips. I had the first name down on my, on I my thought tumor. you were going to say Shaq Lawson at first. No, Shaq Lawson. I, I mentioned Shaq Lawson earlier, but Jordan Phillips also came back. When he was in the Bills scheme a couple years ago, he looked good. It was you know puzzling to me why they didn't bring him back for how good he did look. Um, is he a guy that, you know, depending on what happens in camp, could he also be a bubble guy at this point? Or do you think his his starting job is pretty much locked up or a job on the team is pretty much locked up? I think Eli, uh, Eli, Anku, Eli Anku would have to have a really, really strong training camp. But I'm not going to put it past them. They like him a lot. They kept him on the roster last year when, when Zimmer went down. He was kind of the guy that came up. And frankly, he provided them the one tech that is as close to a two-gap defender as they've had and what they wanted Starla Tulele to be. Um, so Anku could press Jordan Phillips, but I think Jordan Phillips is your number four interior defensive lineman. He's one of the rare guys that can play both one and the three technique. He's kind of your ideal third down guy. I think if on first and second down, you have some kind of combination of Ed Oliver. You got Tim Settle in there that can play the three and one. You've got uh, Daquan Jones, who really is going to probably be this team starting one technique, uh, but has the versatility to pop over to three. What you're kind of hearing me say is all the versatility that they have in that defensive line on the interior in particular. And I love the idea on third downs of having, you know, Von Miller, Jordan Phillips, um, Boogie Basham and um, and Ed Oliver on the field at one time. That's like kind of a really nice little NASCAR package. And Jordan Phillips, for the how big he is, you would think he's more of like a two-gap run stuffer, and he's not. He's a very nimble, good technique uh, t- technician in terms of interior defensive pass rusher. So he's really good at finding penetration. Um, I really like him on third downs as a penetrating uh, interior three-tech for sure. 
I think too, if uh, if you bring up spot track and you look at Jordan Phillips' contract, they guaranteed his salary this year. Yeah, I don't I don't know why yeah. they're doing that if they don't think he, he's he's going to be on the field. He's a big contributor. Yeah, he's another guy that I was very excited about them bringing back. I mean, outside of uh, Von Miller, I think the the one I was most excited about was uh, was definitely Jordan Phillips. Um, one last question regarding the guys in camp, Nate. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we can't talk about camp without talking about the punting battle. Huh. Um, so on this podcast, when we did our draft special, I mentioned that if the Bills drafted punt God, I'd probably be jumping up and down on my table. And I, I sure as hell did that. So who is the Bills starting puncher week one? Uh, it's a tough question. Um, so to prove to everybody that holding is not as hard as everybody thinks it is, uh, Reed Ferguson, <laughs> Reed Ferguson and I have decided that uh, next Saturday, the 30th, uh, I have not held in about a decade since 2011 at Buff State. Uh, I'm going to walk on the field and I'm going to take a dry run, no practice, take a snap from Reed and place a perfect hold for uh, for Tyler Bass. So I do think it's going to be Matariza because um, I think at the end of the day, as much as everybody wants to make a big point about the reason Matt Hawk was on the team was because of how good of a holder he is. I don't, I don't discredit that at all, Right. but I'm also not fully ready to buy that. I think that Matt Ariza is head above heels. A more talented kicker is going to be able to kick the ball in a far better. The wind in that stadium um, is a, is really tough. And like, if you're, uh, you know, I'm in the broadcast booth, which gives me a really good angle to watch kickers in pregame kick around. And there was a couple of games that that Patriots game, watching Hawk put it in the air and have it come past him uh, with the wind was like, oh man, you know, and not not to say that any kicker was going to have a lot of success in that. But the one thing about Ariza is he does have a far lower trajectory on his kicks that I think can cut through the Buffalo wind a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Ariza, and I don't think it's particularly close. I'm not buying that they're going to keep. They're going to draft a punter and then cut him because they like what Matt Hawk can do as a holder. I'm just, I'm not buying that. And he's definitely a guy who's not going to make it on a practice squad either. They put him on the practice squad. He's gone in, you know, a day, if that, right? So uh, if he even makes it through the day on the practice squad, I think personally, when you talk about Matt Ariza, um, you know, like you said, the leg with the wind and Buffalo, all that stuff. Then you also got to deal with Matt Hack. I, to, to me, when Buffalo did punt last year, which wasn't often, Matt Hack didn't do a great job of flipping the field. Matt 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 Hawk constantly put the other team in good good field position. And I think Nick, that's one thing you and I talked about often on the podcast last year was the lack of punting or lack of skill at the punter position. Yeah, listen, they they drafted a punter. I don't think we can like emphasize that enough. They spent a draft pick on a punter. He's going to be on the team. I mean, it's it's funny that we're at this point of our. I guess, you know, being Bills fans that we don't need to no longer sit here and talk about the quarterback, that we can actually talk about yeah. the punter position. You know, we don't have to talk about – We're bored, know, man. The, you know, hey, it's, hey it's, actually, it's hold great. on. Let me stop there. Let me ask you one quarterback question. What's Matt Barkley doing signing as the third quarterback behind Case Keenum? Is that like the Bills haven't kept three quarterbacks? Is he oh, – Barkley signed before they traded for Keenum. All that right, well, and with the new uh, practice squad rules and being able to keep veterans on the practice squad – um, without that, like three-year window of eligibility, he's going to be on the practice squad for sure. Okay, so you, you think he's super comfortable not even competing for a starting job or I a mean, second job? At this point in his career, 
Um, I think it was pretty clear that after the Bills moved on and and when went with Jake Fromm and and um, and Trubisky last year, that him bouncing around the league, he got picked up late in the season by Tennessee uh, when they had uh, injury. I think maybe to the backup position or something. I can't remember exactly what happened. Why Tennessee ended up picking him up, but. I get the I, I got the sense that there's not I don't think there's a ton of teams pounding on the door um, for Matt Barkley to come in and be a, a a day one you know second string number two um, so I think right now he knows the system he's a great emergency quarterback for them uh, if something goes down he's in a pinch he has been very good and very reliable for the Bills I think it's a good situation for him I know uh, having golfed with them at the Buffalo Bills uh, media tournament um, and chatting with him. Um, his family loves Buffalo. Uh, he loves Buffalo. Uh, he feels like it's home and he has a really, really close relationship with Josh Allen. Um, I think from just from a logistics perspective, it made a lot of sense for him. Yeah. I see him being more in that Davis role type of the Davis web type of role where, you know, he's Plus, just kind of that. You can't, you can't value it enough. He's really kind of more, he's really dedicated to his NFT and his crypto game. So, you know, like <laughs> there's not a lot of time to worry, focus on, you know, be, being the number two quarterback when you, when you've got your own NFT, uh, you know, brand and, and all that good stuff. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. He, he's going to be kind of step in and be that practice squad guy and just kind of be there for Josh Allen on the sidelines. I feel like throughout the, throughout the game, similar to what we saw De, uh, Davis Webb in last year. Um but, you know, Matt Barkley is another one, Nick, that I was thinking about, too. Like, where does he fit in? But I think, you know, there's really not a competition between him and Case Keenum. Who do you rather have backing up your quarterback if if Josh Allen goes down? I think it's kind of a no-brainer there, right? Yeah, no offense to Barkley, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, gentlemen, we have to ask at this point of the year without, you know, knowing too much, without seeing the players on the field yet, what are our predictions for – the Bills' record this season and Super Bowl. Nate, you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. All right, uh, I'm picking the Bills twelve and five, Super Bowl. Bills over. Tell you what, when you're uh, you're a writer in the press box, the writers always say, you know, we, we're not fans. We don't root for the team, but we do root for the story. Bills over Bucks and Tom Brady for the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, I'm going 13 and four. And I know that's um, based on how difficult the schedule is. That's, you know, maybe especially early on in the season, I, you know, with their first seven weeks, I mean, that's a gauntlet getting out of there five and two would be a huge win in the first seven mm-hmm. weeks. Um, I think they're going to roll this division again. I think they'll go undefeated in the division again. Um I do think that if the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl, it's probably going to be this year um, in this window that we're currently in. There'll be other windows with Josh Allen here, and there's going to be some turnover at whenever the safeties kind of move on, whenever they move on from Poyer. And uh, Von Miller's going to be here for a couple of years. You know, how long does Dawkins and more? So, like, this window, Diggs is 29. Um, I think this is the year that they win it. I think it'll be against the Rams, who are probably going to get back there again looking for the repeat. I like the bills in that matchup, but I think the, the more interesting thing is, is that I don't, I don't want to be too hot takey on your podcast. I think Kansas city might miss the, uh, might miss the playoffs. Um, wow. And well, that's actually the next question is your bold prediction. So you're skipping. Uh, right I, I apologize for skipping over, but I, it's, it's all in one, my bold prediction. And so I think the route for the bills will be far easier they can get the number one seed. I think that they've got a real shot at uh, at being in the Super Bowl this year, and I, I I'd love uh, a a chance to 
to beat the Rams, especially with Von Miller. I mean, what a story that would be if he goes for his third Super Bowl with three different teams that did it against one of the teams. Um, and uh, maybe he beats the Broncos and then the Rams in back-to-back weeks. And, wow. you know, wow. that would be quite a storyline. Yeah, you guys would be loving that over there yeah. in, the, in the media. Well, that's for sure. Some stuff to talk about if that was the case. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to go Bills 13-4, and four, even though Vegas does have them as the favorite to go 17-0. and 0. Um, I am only going to have him go 13 to four. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Nate. It's, it's this year or no year. I feel like for the Super yeah. Bowl, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be this year, but throwing it back to the nineties, I think it's going to be Buffalo and Dallas this year. Dallas, and Dallas is going to shock some people. I think Dak's going to come back and be good. I think you're going to see a new Zeke this year. I think CD lamb is going to, step up as the number one receiver. I just – I don't know why I have such a good feeling about Dallas this year. We'll see. I could be wrong. Does that does that mean they fire Mike McCarthy after week six and then they don't I mean, want to run with Kellen Moore? Is that – Kellen Moore is going to become head coach, take over. All right. You know, I don't if know. If that's Mike, the scenario, I wouldn't forget, believe it. Mike McCarthy has done it before. He you has. Know, he did it with Aaron Rodgers. A different, much different quarterback than Dak. I get that. But, I, I, I mean, I don't think – I'm not putting all my money back in the Rams again without a uh, Odell Beckham there, without a, a healthy Odell Beckham, or without a guy like Von Miller there, right? You know, that, those are two big hits. That I know they still got Aaron Donald. They still got uh, Jalen Ramsey. I understand that. <clears throat> and the Bucks, I think they showed a lot of flaws last year. You know, for how good they were with Bruce Arians as head coach, I don't know if Bowles is the guy that I would trust to take my team to the Super Bowl. That's just I my. I forget they have bulls. You know, you still got Brian Leftwich calling plays. Well, I mean, it's probably Tom Brady calling the plays. Let's be honest, but you still got Leftwich there, and that's great. Here's what but, I found. but uh, you know, you still got um, uh, Todd Bulls as your head coach there, which I feel like changes things drastically in Tampa Bay this year. Hmm. But I, I, I mean, and that could be my bold prediction too. I guess you put it with both, but. I think Dallas shot I mean, people. Yeah, Dallas was your bowl prediction. All right, Nate, yeah. for your, your bowl prediction, then just rank the teams how they finished in the AFC West. Like that. Um, uh, I like the Raiders to win the division. Um, wow, that's I, two bold predictions. I know. Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs. Fourth. Not even missing the playoffs, but fourth in the division. Yeah. Oh, and do the, wow. Okay, so All right. let me then double on that. How many from that division make playoffs? I think three. Okay. Yeah, I, wow. I, I do think three. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I think I think it was – listen, you know, Sorensen isn't playing in their defensive back any backfield anymore, so they'll just be better because he's not asked to play football. <laughs> um, but Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill are an interesting combination. They're, they tried to sort of remake that entire defense on the fly. George Karloftis, I liked him coming out of Purdue. Um, but I'm not sure you're going to get the yields defensively in year one. I mean, they, Trent McDuffie's a nice player. I know that was probably the guy the bills would have gone with had the Kansas city not moved up to take him. Um, but you've got a rookie corner. You've got Justin Reed, who I think is an okay safety. Juan Thornhill did not really look the same. Um, Tyron Matthew was the biggest piece of that defense in their second half success over the last two seasons. Um, him being gone, I think is a real, uh, I think it's a real loss for them. And on top of that, you know, you got Chris Jones, who's not going to start the season at edge. That was a that was a, a a bad move for them, moving him to edge at the start of the season. That's why they struggled so damn much. But 
I think what you saw early on last season, Kansas City struggling, Patrick Mahomes turning the ball over, I think you're going to see more of that this year, except they don't have Tyreek Hill sort of get them out of that funk later on in the season. I think, you know, nine, 10 wins could be what they end up with. Um, and that could easily be fourth place in that division. That's the best division of football. It's not particularly close. They're going to have an opportunity to beat up on some bad teams. But I think in that division, it's going to be between the Chargers and Raiders, in my opinion. I think Denver is going to be better. I'm not totally buying the sauce on them yet. I, If you told me, if, if you asked me to revise it, I would say maybe flip-flop. Denver and, and, and Kansas city. Um, but I, I, I think Kansas city is the third most talented team in that division. Okay. I, I mean, I would agree with you. I think looking at everything and, and what's happened to that Kansas city defense, I don't think Kansas city is going to be the number one team in that division. And I don't think that you're going to have the same uh, result there in Denver either, you know, uh, outside of bringing Russell Wilson in, they didn't make a lot of splashes on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, they, they still got some good safety play, some good corner play, but mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what Denver, you know, looks like. I will say a Denver Kansas City game, I feel like it's gonna be just a straight shootout because neither team's got a got a decent defense this year. No, no, not at all. Those are gonna be two tough, two fun games to watch, that's for sure. Um Nick, any any good bold predictions for us or what? Yeah, you know what? Let's go with uh let's go with Green Bay. The NFC North, the Packers are still appear to be heavily favorited in their division. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers losing Devontae Adams is going to be much bigger of a detriment to their offense than people think. Aaron Rodgers' safety blanket, absolute safety blanket, is Devontae Adams. Every even just a casual fantasy player, if you're thinking who's their number two receiver, who should I get? They never get targets. MVS, yep. Lazard, nobody. He throws to Adams so many times a game. That's his absolute safety blanket, and he's gone. I think that's going to hurt their offense a lot more than people think. If you were looking for a bargain buy, I would say maybe look at somebody else winning the NFC North. I like Minnesota. Yeah. Curse I, can't like get in. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know about fields. I can't get in on the Bears just yet. No. I also will tell you. Do not sleep on my lions. <laughs> Don't sleep on them. That, that might say, be uh, the, the best bargain by going right now. Yes. Have you been hanging out with Joe Yarden too much or what? Uh, it's <laughs> possible. It's possible. It's you got, definitely you possible. You're hanging out on Elmwood at uh, drinking too much beer, talking about the lions at this point. But yeah, uh, well, we're we, him and I are um, are, are are Lennox and uh, and Essex Street guys. So you okay. know when when you're at the Lennox or you're at Essex Street, mm-hmm. you get a lot of Lions talk, as you might imagine. <laughs> Lions Absolutely. plus twelve hundred to win the division. I wow, wow, stable money. <laughs> hey, wow. here's okay. here's salary off those kind of numbers. You know, well, ra- uh... radio salary, but yeah, <laughs> right, right. It, that that would be an interesting. That's going to be another interesting division too to watch on, you know, how, how bad that could be. What like the NFC East was a few years ago with a losing record, making the playoffs. Yeah, very much. I mean, so I, I listen, I think Minnesota with O'Connell, they got, they don't have the dark, the Zimmer dark cloud over them anymore. They're going to throw the football. They've got maybe the best receiver in football and Justin Jefferson. They've got Adam Thielen coming back healthy. Uh, they they've got Ish Smith coming back or not Ish Smith. Um, Who's their tight end? Uh, the kid that was injured last year towards ACL or in the season. Great. Irv, He's a Irv? Irv Smith. Yes. Irv Smith. Um, really like him. And I think Delvin cooks uh, bound to have a bounce back season too. I Minnesota is a sneaky, good team. Uh, and I think O'Connell's a much better mind offensively for that team with Kirk cousins. I wouldn't sleep on him. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think I mean Kirk Cousins may not be in your top ten, in your top fifteen, even, but he's still capable. He's he's yep. above the capable bar. Yep, that's right. Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Wow. He's not a win because guy, but he's a win with guy for sure. Sure, I like that. I like that. All right, so Nate, so we can get you get get you off here, so you can go get your uh, mm. go get your brisket. I had a little done. tester. It's it's very good. It's very <laughs> I'm, good. I'm very jealous on this side of the computer. But uh, with every new guest, we do a lightning round. With that lightning round, is three questions or cool. so from from Nick and I. So we'll we'll start out pretty quick. Nick, I'll let you go first. Nate, your favorite athlete when you were seven was who? Seven, Brett Favre. Oh, okay. Favorite... As an adult, I don't like it as much anymore. But yeah, seven <laughs> was Brett Favre for sure. Now I know you. Now, now I know you're a big food guy, Nate. Best yeah. chicken wings in Buffalo. Oh, this is supposed to be lightning. I'm supposed to have it off the top of my head. Oh, uh, that's so controversial. Um, I'll go with 9-11 Tavern. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just had Barbell for the first time in very good. April, May. Very good. Very, very good. Very, very, very good with that. Um, Nick? Nate, you can pick two Buffalo athletes, past or present, um, to have a beer with together. You and two other people. Who are you choosing? Um. <laughs> I am going with Willis McGahey and <laughs> I don't want to sound, I don't want to come off boring, but I think I'm going Willis McGahey, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, as long but as you Marshawn Lynch to Applebee's. Here's the thing. So um, Marshawn, when he lived in Buffalo, lived in Hamburg, uh, his brother, his little brother was a year younger than me, came to Frontier, uh, played on the freshman team while I was on JV, didn't last very long, but we played for the same little league team. Um, so I was a frequenter of Friday night parties at Marshawn's house and, and, um, Marshawn's a cool cat. Uh, and, uh, let's just say he was very friendly to all of his high school brother's friends. So very friendly. <laughs> he liked, he would chum it with his, with his, with his 16 year old brother's friends. So what a guy, what a yeah. guy. So he wasn't always just hanging out at Applebee's like he was. on. No, no, Friday. not, no. He, he hung out a lot at the house, that, but I will say honorable mention. Co Simpson is an honorable mention guy. Okay. Because uh, I just I want to hear the arrest story where he says, "Do you know who I am? I'm Co Simpson of the Buffalo Bills." Oh I, I would like to relive that. I'd like to hear that story personally. That's so. great. Yes, that's that uh, great story. Um, okay, favorite golf course you ever played? Ooh, um, I get the sense it might change Sunday. I'm playing Oak Hill on Sunday after Bill's training camp. Uh, but favorite golf course I played to date is Brookline, uh, the Country Club, where they just played the U.S. Open this year, um, where um, What's his name? The, the winner of the Open, uh, you know, hits it out of that sand trap. It's funny because I also played from that sand trap. I did not have the same result uh, as <laughs> as uh, as as the winner of the U.S. Open. Now his name is eluding me, but um, yeah, I, I was playing out of that same sand trap. Uh, it went about Patrick. fifteen yards. Yeah, uh, yeah, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, but little known fact. So being there at the Country Club, I bet on Matt Fitzpatrick to win, and I won a bunch of money. So I walked into the clubhouse and Matt Fitzpatrick's pictures everywhere in the, at, at Brookline's clubhouse. He won the U S amateur there 10 years prior hmm. and he lived. So he's from England, but he lived at, at, a, at a sponsor house down the street and he hmm. played Brookline over 75 times. He oh, has wow. the court, the amateur course record there. And when I saw what his odds were to win the U S open, I was like, Oh man, Nobody else has played the course as many times as Fitzpatrick has. He's mm. won the U.S. Amateur here. Um, he's got his the U.S. Amateur low score on the board. I'm like, 
why is no one else taking Matt Fitzpatrick? And I felt like I had like the inside insider betting information on that. So, uh, yeah, Brookline for sure. Okay. An unbelievable. That, that's the type of information we would like shared with us. Well, you know, I didn't. I don't know what insider trading. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't, don't want to. I don't want to put myself out there too much. So, all right, hey, I'm gonna stick it. Keep it with golf here. Uh, what is your favorite hole in Western New York? Ooh, uh, one popped up in my head. I'm not sure if it's my total favorite, uh, but this one popped in my head. Number two, Tri County. Um, it's a wacky hole. It's, it's turned it, it used to be a par four. Now it's a par five and you got to hit into this little like reflection area, a little, uh, repository. And then you got to hit up on a green that mm. is absolutely absurd. And one of the hardest greens to hold in Western New York. So number two, tri County. All right. Okay. All right. Final question. Uh, favorite major golf major. Oh, I, what I'd a cop specific. out it would be to say the masters. Um, it's probably the masters though, because it's the first major of the year. It's yeah. usually when I'm getting my first couple of rounds in of the season. Um, and I love Augusta. I, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out. Uh, if I were to give it like a secondary one, I really do love the open championship. Um, cause they're courses we don't get to see played a lot. Right. Um, and I think European golf is so unique. The, the, um, the classic links courses like St. Andrews was unbelievable. I know that like, the, the scores were really low and it it felt like the course really didn't push back too much on the players, but that's a course you really rely on the weather conditions and they just had perfect weather all four days. So um, I would say the masters, the open championship, the PGA and the U S open. Uh, have you, have you been to Augusta? I have not. So I actually put bucket. in for every year I put in for my tickets every year. Did, did you get it? I'm only four. Yeah. No. Owned for <laughs> and I put in for a practice round. Although I actually found out about five minutes before the podcast, I didn't get my ticket. So mm. you can buy practice round time. tickets though on the secondary market. They're just they're. I mean, I had some guy offer me two tickets for three thousand dollars each for, <laughs> for the practice round. <laughs> for practice round. Practice. Listen, round. I, I love Augusta. Maybe one day when I'm you know working as the color guy for the New York giants. And I'm making, <laughs> uh, you know, six fifty a year. I'll, right. I'll, I'll, so something when, I'll do, when you're but... running the station at GR. Well, that, <laughs> that's yeah, true. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. the U S women's <laughs> open here when it's at like Oak Hill or something, but yeah, masters 3000 bucks for practice. I mean, yeah. that's absurd. Yeah, no, it was a little much. Um, they, they, they definitely get you. On that, you know, and I told the guy, I said, "Look, man, I'm a Bills fan. We're going to the Super Bowl. I got to save my money." That's uh, right. You got to save your money for LA. Yeah, so, that's right. That's right. So, more more right. important things. Nate, last one for me. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, a WGR based question here. So we obviously all we we're all from Buffalo. We grew up listening. There were, I mean, you just just think back in the history of the show. Get it between getting people through the drought, between when the Sabers were had all the runs. If you could bring back one recurring feature that WGR used to do, what would you bring back? Uh, I would just, not even a feature. I just would bring back Nick Mandola. Yeah. I was going to say Bill's rap. I just would, <laughs> I would just bring him back on retainer, uh, and have him bust out a rap every week. Um, other, yeah. Like otherwise, like one thing that I, that I really miss about GR, um, is the weekly Jerry Sullivan, uh, segment every week. Um, that used to be my like appointment radio for me. Um, I, that was probably one of my favorite segments. And, and it's funny, I just was in a golf tournament, uh, a four day long golf tournament last week and Jerry's there and he's been going for like the last decade. 
And I told him we were we were drinking, singing karaoke together. True story. Um, and I told him I, I gave him a heart to heart. I said, Jerry, uh, you are my favorite. Uh, you're maybe the best listen I had. He was on the station for for years and years. Uh, but that was my favorite segment in, in in Western New York sports radio for sure. So we had Brayton Wilson on last year, mm-hmm. and one thing that we did talk about was Howard picks the Bills. Now I my whole week is planned around Howard picking the Bills. So Howard hates it, too. Howard <laughs> absolutely hates it. There's it nothing more he hates. By far my favorite segment. It's going to force him into early retirement. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. That, that is uh, very apparent, by the way. You are not giving out uh, any, you know, insane No, secrets. there's no government secrets there. Yeah, he hates it. <laughs> no, and, and the best is how much everyone else loves it. Like, Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know? You know, and I and I know right on time. Oh, it's time. I gotta let me let me turn on GR. You know, it's, takes the bills. Exactly, exactly. Well, Nate, we appreciate you coming on, man. We'll let you get to your brisket. Um, always a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Anytime, fellas. Anytime. Thanks, Nate. Awesome.